0: time to rejoin the conversation. And we are back. Okay, here we go. Party politics. It has been 10 years since the first Marvel Cinematic Universe movie uh, began with the first Iron Man movie. From the flamboyant Tony Stark to the regal King of Wakanda, uh, we're going to talk about these movies and the cultural impact of the MCU. Uh, just so you know, there may be some spoilers. So, if uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen any of these movies, uh, uh, listen anyway and then go back and watch. But, uh, <laughs> but just know, there are probably going to be some spoilers uh, in here and... Um, I guess the only place to begin is at the beginning Um, and that is uh, with the first Iron Man movie so I was saying on a break the thing that impressed me the most about Iron Man having been a kid that read Marvel Comics and knew these stories um, and had seen a crap ton of uh, horribly done comic movies uh, over the years, is that this is the first time that one, they took the story seriously and they gave... The characters, real human characteristics, real emotion. You really got to see real motivation for who they are and why they are. And on top of the fact that the uh, that the uh, you know, the effects were amazing. You know, getting to see um, getting to see you know, the billionaire uh, Playboy philanthropist Tony Stark get into the Iron Man suit for the first time um, it it was pretty amazing and uh, and that of course starts the journey of the Marvel Cinematic Universe so at the inception um, Marvel Studios decides they want to do something that's truly (laughs) ambitious And that truly ambitious thing is they want to tell a story that's going to require multiple franchises creating mega franchises that tells one story that arcs over a 20 year period. Of course.
1: In multiple universes. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> because in the, the comics, uh, in the comics, uh, Marvel has what they call the Marvel multiverse. So there's... It's, it's such a layered uh, thing in the comics. So how do you boil that down to film? And then how do you tell the story you want to tell, which generally is... The Infinity Story. And at the 10... Now, here's what's funny. At the 10-year mark, we're actually, truly, only in the middle, you know, of the story. So, you know, starting with Iron Man, you have Tony who... uh, you know, who gets kidnapped because uh, he and he finds out that his weapons that he thinks are only going to the American government are being used on the black market, Uh, and the people that kidnap him are in the Middle East, and they want him to recreate uh, one of his more deadly weapons for them, for their use. And what he decides to do uh, is uh, devise a plan of escape, and how he plans to escape is he's going to create this iron suit uh when he's supposed to be creating you know rockets and missiles for these people um and just how the story is layered how he has to build the suit how he has to create a create a power source for something that large to be able to move it because you're not you're you are not physically going to be able to get in that suit and move it with your own physicality um and then of course uh having created the suit escaping his situation um gives him the idea for iron man so we can move forward from film one to then film two which is actually happening um right around the same time like sequentially when they're physically happening is right around the same time is uh, the Incredible Hulk and of course anybody who knows anything about the Hulk uh, Dr. Bruce Banner um, he gets uh, in a horrible accident infused with gamma radiation and uh, that uh, that allows him to turn into uh, a, an enormous green rage monster that uh, is basically uh, unstoppable by anything on our planet um, and um, but knowing how dangerous he is um, and once that technology that that our military created and then tries to hide uh, it gets siphoned something much more horrible gets created Um, once the Hulk defeats it then he has to or he tries to go and hide uh, so that he can um, try to get some control over this thing because at the time he has no way of controlling because if he gets upset in any way he just can glick out and turn into this thing, and you know he doesn't want that to happen. Um, after that, um, actually, let me. I'm um, I'm um, um, I'm looking at your cheat notes <laughs> over just over your shoulder. I'm turning at your cheat notes. You've got uh, uh, then Iron Man two, which uh, moves moves this story forward because. Um, Tony Stark is then approached by a secret government organization called Shield, um, and S.H.I.E.L.D. basically ran by uh, uh, ran by Nick Fury, who was uh, played by the uh, the uh, the uh, un- unmistakable, unescapable Samuel L. Jackson. Um, uh, is they try to recruit him to to be uh to be in a to be in this program that they're going to start called the Avengers initiative. Um, and he doesn't know it yet, but he actually because of something uh Brain Mass said earlier, he doesn't play well with others. So they actually don't want him to be in the Avengers initiative because they don't think he could actually play well enough with others to be part of the team. But they do send him out to try and recruit the Hulk. And then we move off-world to, uh, to, to another realm in a planet called Asgard, where we meet Thor. Thor. Um, and uh, Thor, if you don't know, is the uh, is the god of uh, thunder. Um, and uh, so, Asgard is basically inhabited by basically gods. Greek, Greek gods, <laughs> basically. Um, and he is probably the most powerful of these Greek gods. Um, he is the well, he is the warrior prince, Nordic. Sorry. Yes, uh, Nordic gods. Yes, and he is basically the most powerful of these Nordic gods. Um, he is kind of the 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 prince of war, um, and he is uh, next in line to be the king of Asgard because his father Odin is uh, is going to be dying, um, and he knows he's going to be dying sooner than later. Um, but after defying some 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 rules and needing to learn some very harsh life lessons he is banished from asgard and when banished from asgard he is sent to earth um he of course being uh being a norse god and uh and and uh even without his powers on earth He's not a very small man. So uh, it's very difficult to uh, do anything with him or, or subdue him. Uh, but he meets, uh, he meets some scientists that uh, he befriends. He actually falls in love with one of them. And his brother, who is also the Norse god of mischief, Loki, um, who has uh, always been jealous of his brother, sends uh, something called the Destroyer to Earth to try and kill Thor. In doing so, they basically level a small town. Uh, Thor gets his powers back because they were stripped, stripped from him when he was sent here. Um, but, that puts Earth on alert that we're not alone in the universe, and as Nick Fury says in another movie, uh, we are uh, hilariously outgunned. So, they begin to develop weapons to try to fight in a possible invasion. Because all we know is now we know we aren't alone in the universe and the things that came down here were amazingly powerful and we don't have anything on Earth to fight them. So they used the technology from the thing that Thor destroyed to create new weaponry. So... It takes us forward, or in this case, way backward to the next movie, which would be uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. So, in the first Captain America movie, we go back to uh, World War II. Um, the world is fighting the Nazis, but there's also a secret organization working within the Nazis. Um, that is looking into um, possible like metaphysical and otherworldly ways to win the war headed by um, somebody called the Red Skull uh, that he found an otherworldly object called and this is important out there in podcast land the Tesseract. Mm. Um, they developed... Yeah, go ahead. Is
2: that the box?
0: That, that is the blue blue box, the blue glowing box. Okay, okay. So,
2: quick so, uh, quick trivia on that one. The Captain America first Avenger was the... Had the lowest budget. I believe it. Because it was all... <laughs> tied with one other. Mm-hmm. Iron Man.
1: I mean, it was tied... I mean, Captain America was all like... It didn't have as much CGI, I would guess. Because it was all about, you know, World War One or two or whatever it was.
0: Yeah, it was all on Earth. It was all... Uh, so, are you going to tell us about the Tesseract? Uh,
1: oh. Oh. <laughs> I just would like to know. I, I, okay.
0: So, yes. So, the Tesseract. Um, this is the first time. So, now, if you notice... Um, in this timeline, we are now at movie one, two, three, four, five. Uh-huh. Before you even get the hint of something called an infinity stone, and at the time, you don't even know it's an infinity stone. You okay. just know it's powerful on a level that we don't understand. Okay. Um, and what the tesseract has the capability of do is. Um, it has the capability of uh, warping or moving you through time and space. Mm. So, um, so, he finally gets the uh, showdown with Red Skull um, as the movie goes on. Uh, they're in a plane crash because he's sending these... They've created all these weapons created off of the tesseract, Tesseract, uh, Tesseract's energy, um, and he gets into a final battle with Red Skull in a plane um, uh, somehow or another.
1: You're getting, like, way too deep into the conversation.
0: Well, sure. I'm really trying to just give the finer points to you truth. Uh, so... Red Skull gets sucked through a time portal out of the plane somehow. Plane goes down, crashes. You didn't really
1: have to tell him that. You could just say...
0: Plane goes down, crashes in the ocean, uh, and it freezes Captain America. Uh, and you don't see Captain America again until uh, the next film, which is the first Avengers film. So, you bring Cap- You wake Captain America up. Uh, he's been, he finds out he's been asleep for 70 years. So, any attachments that he had, uh, they're all either dead or extremely old at this point. Um, and he also finds that they found the Tesseract. And he's extremely upset because, of course, they should have left the Tesseract on the bottom of the ocean, but they didn't know what it was either. So they brought it up. They were experimenting on it, trying to figure out what it was. And long story short, um, Loki um, comes to the Earth to get the Tesseract. And he's going to uh, bring this alien army with him. He's going to subjugate Earth and make earth and he's going to become the leader of earth that's what he's thinking so at this point the heroes that you've met um they form the first team of avengers that you see they defeat loki and they take the tesseract to asgard off earth um trying to keep it safe by the end but that leaves the world scarred because this is not only the, the first time that the world at large finds out that we're not alone in the universe, mm. but there's a massive battle that levels a huge chunk of Manhattan um, in, in, in this movie. So, now, let's go forward. That brings you to Iron Man 3. So, in Iron Man 3, you realize Tony's got PSD because...
1: PTSD? Uh,
0: uh, yes, because he's the one who uh, winds up saving saving the world because uh, the, the U.S. government's just going to throw a nuke at it because that's kind of what we think to do. Uh, he actually pushes the nuke through a through a space portal that the tesseract opened uh, it explodes on the other side of that dimension blowing up those ships and we are now left with a bunch of dead alien carcasses and, and all kind of other larger things um, left, just left in the middle of New York City So, um, there's other plots in that but this is the stuff that means anything for the story now you go to the next film, Thor the Dark World, where you finally see uh, the second uh, infinity stone, which uh, is called the ether. The ether actually doesn't take form of an actual stone, it's uh, really like an ether. It's, it's kind of formless, but it, in, it infects you, and, uh, and then you know, and, and it turns, turns you into like an evil type of a, a weapon. Um, there's a huge battle. that takes place on Earth because uh, there's 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 a people that are trying to control the ether, which are um, the uh, uh, the dark elves. I was uh, I keep wanting to say the frost giants, the dark elves. Uh, anyway, so uh, they're defeated. That substance is then moved off Earth uh, with somebody called the Collector, for safekeeping. Which brings us then to the next movie, Captain America Winter Soldier, um, where you learn that Captain America's best friend, uh, Sergeant Bucky Barnes, um, who was killed in the first Cap movie, uh, wasn't actually killed. You find that his body was retrieved by HYDRA, this uh, organization that was embedded in, in, the, uh, in the Nazis. Um, and he was experimented on and basically turned into an evil Captain America and sent out on missions to assassinate. At some point, Cap happens to see who it is, realizes that's his friend. And now he goes into the mode of wanting to save his friend. And his friend, it takes him almost all movie before his friend gets his head back and realizes that he does recognize Cap almost, almost before he kills Cap. So. Um, then we take a complete detour and we move all the way off world. We go to Guardians of the Galaxy. About saying, and as you can see how as you can see how intricate the story is and how many franchises it touches already. You go off world and you meet a completely new set of characters. You know, you meet uh that you know, like I say I won't get off into every single character you meet, but you meet a completely new set of characters and you realize that there's now a third infinity stone that uh the overarching villain that you actually don't really meet until the current movie uh, avengers infinity war thanos um has sent somebody after this third stone um that third stone can destroy a planet just by touching down so um, all that all that happens. The Guardians of the Galaxy. They finally come together, and realize who they are, and how powerful they are together. They stop that villain. They take that stone, move it off Earth, and, uh, and hide it with uh, hide it with uh, another another race of beings called the Nova Corps. So that once again, you don't want you don't want these things together. That's the whole point of. It. It's, they're too powerful together. So you want them as separate as possible. So, then you move to in the next Avengers movie, Age of Ultron. So Tony, after everything he's been through, PSD, all of that, he's like, in order to save the world, he's going to create something called the Iron Legion, which is basically a bunch of robotic Iron Man suits that he's going to Uh, have all over the world um, to help the Avengers defend if need be. In the process, he realizes that the stone that they took from, from Loki has properties. And they realize that's an infinity stone. Well, they don't realize it's an infinity stone. They realize it has properties that can help them create actual AI and without even thinking or hesitating he's thinking I'm going to create this AI I'm going to give it the directive to save humanity but uh, as all robots do when you tell them to save humanity uh, it starts running its own set of reasoning and realizes that humanity is humanity's problem and wants to kill everybody so they stop that creature in that they create a being from the stone that was in Loki's Loki staff. Uh, and that is, becomes another Avengers character, uh, move forward, um, to a, to a film that actually had nothing to do with, um, Infinity Stones, but uh, a a great character uh, in the Avengers world, Ant-Man. I won't get too deep off into Ant-Man because it doesn't touch the Infinity Stones, but fun and super funny movie. Um, I think you probably really like that one, Big Dave, if if you want to see some other ones that have a lot of humor. You move forward then to Captain America Civil War which you see the discontent growing between Tony and Kat, who kind of are the de facto leaders of the Avengers team. Um, and because um, in Age of Ultron, the world deems that they're, the Avengers are really too dangerous to be allowed to just do their thing they need to to fall under some jurisdictions so there was a city that was basically destroyed called Sokovia Sokovia uh, after Sokovia they wrote what's called the Sokovia Accords so everybody that's powered has to sign up with the Sokovia Accords and say that they're going to follow these rules from now on anybody that doesn't follow the rules you're gonna get, in, you're gonna get imprisoned because now you're an enemy of the state. What happens is, half of the uh, half of the Avengers signs, half of the Avengers doesn't sign, and that gives the conflict. Yeah, that gives the conflict. So. There's so many more movies to go forward with. And I and I can definitely keep going forward because there's still seven or eight other movies <laughs> to go through. But what I the point that I really want to drill home was how dense this story is. And how in order to create a true universe. It had to be told with that many characters, with that many franchises, creating the mega franchises in the Avengers films. And how that has now changed how other studios even are doing film. Um, Like Jordan asked earlier about um, you know, about uh Batman, and you know, because of the MCU, now we now have um uh, uh, the DCU, which you know is uh Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Justice League, um, and and those films are beginning to create their multi layered, multi franchise universes because what does
2: DC stand for?
0: Um. That's actually a really good question uh, I don't know something if, I don't know if I've ever known what DC stood for I don't know if I've ever looked it up to tell you the truth but uh, the one thing I do know out there in podcast land is that uh, Brain mass is not gonna let that question stand without an answer uh, as I, as I'm going to believe he's probably already on the Google uh, <laughs> trying to look that up so
2: DC Comics, DC Entertainment. Uh, that's not a quick answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: d- if you know, do you know what DC actually stands for? No.
2: It's, yeah. an, it's an electrical current. <laughs> Detective yeah. Comics. Mm. Uh, Used in. Europe. Oh, that makes sense
0: actually. Mm -hmm. Now, the funny thing is, I didn't realize that Detective Comics just became DC. Because I remember the very, very old 60s Detective Comics. I didn't realize they just became DC. So, um, without going through through the end of the timeline, um, yeah, I was just saying that what the MCU has really done is given all of the other uh, studios a blueprint on how to tell their story cinematically. Honestly, I think they took sort of a...
1: Uh, a, a version of uh, the... Japanese anime blueprint of storytelling, yeah, with more longevity, Yes. and more character arcs, yeah. Uh, because before that, you know, you had just the single franchise sort of system, and the uh, the one, you know, hero with right. with maybe a couple of sidekicks, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, a few villains sprinkled in, maybe. Uh, but for every movie, there would be the one hero and the one villain, and there wouldn 't be really a lasting uh, world shattering scenario exactly exactly whereas in japanese anime it's just that 's very common to have the multiple character multiple uh, story arc sort of uh fitting into a broader picture
0: exactly
1: uh, except they 're doing it in a in a very americanized way yeah, 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 which is totally appropriate
0: yeah, i mean this is definitely. You know Gundam or Macross or right? You know, like I I watch One Piece and that's at like you know nine hundred episodes.
1: That's just crazy. You know how much has gone into that, and that was that's a that's a real world build. Uh, That's one of the more intricate ones, but you know there's a lot of stuff out there. But yeah, it is very great what they're doing, and I hope that we'll see more more stuff like this that gets fleshed out better because it's just a great way to tell a story.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. you you were gonna. You, you look like you had you had a question
2: over there, Brian. Well, I was just getting back to budgets. So this was in in 2016. Uh, at that point, MCU has grossed had grossed ten and a half billion. Mm-hmm. And that was 16. And that was 16. Yeah. Am, am I uh, disturbed and formerly drugged mine? I've had a reoccurring theme coming to me mm-hmm. through the whole discussion. Yes. I am Iron Man. So, this isn't about Ozzy, you know, and, and Black Sabbath, but. Uh,
0: is Although it, they definitely use the, that song in yeah, the first so same, movie. Yeah, so yes. there
2: you go. You know, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't understand none of this shit. And uh, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's probably pretty awesome to watch after watching the, uh, you know, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But uh, it, I get it, okay? I, I, th- I think that's where it's going. So, Mario, yes. do, do you want to guess... Which uh, which film had the highest box office revenue? Probably Black Panther.
1: It was well. I think. Um,
2: well, I, like, I think Infinity Wars is set to. Before that, I think it yeah, was Ragnarok. Definitely yeah. You know what? I don't know. If, yep, Black Panther isn't here. What'd you say? Ragnarok. So it's not Black Panther. Hmm. Okay. I was surprised by that as well. It was Marvel's The Avengers. Hmm. The, first the first one. one. okay. Yeah, Joss yeah. Whedon. Yeah, I can see that. At one and a half billion. I can see that. But in second place, actually, was also not Black Panther. Okay. In second place was the uh, Ultron. Mm. Yeah, the, the, the mega franchise films.
1: So the Avengers are the ones that they like the best.
2: But Black Panther was in third. Hmm. A close third, and then everything after that's quite a bit lower. Yeah, not uh, not uh, slouchy,
0: just quite a right, bit lower. <laughs> right,
2: Oh yeah, all these all these films made an incredible amount of money based on their uh, on their budgets. I don't oh know. yeah, everyone was doubling and tripling their money. So yeah, for. Um, the incredible
0: amount of thought and forethought that went into the creation of of the MCU, uh, it really um, really kind of astounds me. Um, just just how much like forethought had to go into it. I mean, like I can say when you film film number one you already know twenty years out what what's going to tell and advance the story. I think that's kind of what's what's amazing. Whether you've written those scripts or not, you know, they've gone through, you know, all of the comic canon and 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 pulled it out and and got it, you know, and got it to uh to the point where you know you know to the to the films that we're seeing now and and, and, and they're really incredibly well acted mm-hmm. um, effects are uh, top notch you know the uh, you know the the actors themselves that they've gotten to play these roles um, you know, they're you know, like we were just saying. You know, Josh Brolin as Thanos in in the latest film has, you know, brought an incredible amount of uh, emotion and depth to a character that is seemingly, uh, you know, the worst of the worst. <laughs> but, you know, but you really can see his his angst and his heartbreak, because he really believes he's doing the right thing. Yeah, which usually is what makes the scariest villains, you know, right? But, um, honestly, like I said, there's at least eight more films that I could go through, but I won't because, uh, we've already, uh, already been here over an hour discussing the MCU and, um, you know, I, I do, I do want to say for anybody out there in podcast land who has not actually seen all of the films One, you should. Um, One, they're just entertaining. You know, I'm not saying that, that, uh, you know, these are, you know, Oscar-winning tour de forces, but I am saying that uh, if you're the type of person that you do like action, you do like, you know, sci-fi or fantasy or anything like that, um, these are probably as enjoyable... Of films as you'll see in this genre. But with all that said, um, I think we need to wrap it up, and so I'm going to uh, take a break, and with that, we'll be right back. Hey, you having a good time? Let me introduce you to a couple of my media brothers. First, www.americathemixtape.com a cipher on American politics, society, and culture. And where'd I get that mixtape? Of course, www.cornerbodega.us, purveyors of urban culture. Come on, let's get back to the party. Uh, And we are back. And before we get out of here, let's talk about today's sugar honey iced tea. And for those that don't know, these are things that I or a member of the group have found that are really cool, a.k.a. the shit. Uh, And today's uh, sugar honey iced tea is imagination. Because uh, with a little imagination and a lot of ingenuity... We can create worlds and universes and multiverses. Even podcasts for those of us that uh, like to nerd out on those things. So with that, I want to end this podcast in no a way in all podcasts. And that is with the toast that started it all for me. And that is to good times with good people.